Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the podcast of The Porch Church. We hope today's message really blesses you and encourages you in your spiritual journey. If you have questions or want more information on our church, please visit www.theporchchurch.tv. Well, happy Resurrection Sunday. Obviously, it's Easter, and we've already told a large section of that Easter story building up into this point until the message now. And uh, I just wanted to share something. We talk about this kind of every year, but this resurrection event, a king, a savior who died and was brought back to life, so marked the, the early church that it was actually caught up in the way that they would greet each other. And so not even on Easter, but just as a way of identifying identifying corporately with each other. They had a little saying, a little chant, maybe like we would do at a sporting event. And so on Easter Sunday, I think it's appropriate for us to use a greeting that's been said for over 2,000 years together. It's real simple. I say one line and then you follow along. And so I would say he is risen and you would say he is risen indeed. Very good. Let's try that together. So if I say he is risen... Let's pretend like it's not 9 a.m. Get your shoulders limber, right? He is risen. That is absolutely true. What a glorious truth for us today. And it's why we gather to celebrate. It's why we take the time today to just kind of commemorate and to take the time to tell this story because it is the hallmark of our faith. It is the overwhelming, all-encompassing reason that we gather as Christians to celebrate. But again, this story is well known. I I doubt that any of us are coming in who are just completely unfamiliar with this story. And, And if you are, well, then you've already heard it, right? Once upon a time, there was a man who came and he died and he was dead three days in the grave. And on the third day, the tomb was open and he was found to be alive, which quite honestly, I think you should feel bad for me, right? Because it's my job to tell you that story, right? And you already know it. You already know the story. And so what can, I, what can I possibly say to make this come alive in a new way? How can we connect some things that perhaps weren't there before? Which parts of this age-old, 2,000-year-old story are practical and applicable to you and to I this morning? So as we gather on Easter, we're looking in this series, in the midst of this conversation, we've been looking at some statements that Jesus says about himself. Right? You saw in the video with the chalkboard, and, and everybody kind of has an opinion on who Jesus is. Maybe you know what you'd write in the blank. Maybe you can identify what some of your friends, coworkers, neighbors would write in that blank, because opinions about Jesus are not in short supply. But we've kind of been stepping back and saying, but what would, what would Jesus write in that blank? How does he define himself? Who does he tell us that he is? Is And so we've been walking through John's gospel because John has recorded these, they're called the seven I am statements because Jesus comes out and, and just that plainly says, this is who I am, this is why I came, and this is what I am here to do. So, so far we've looked at the bread of life, we've looked at the light of the world, we've looked at the gate and the good shepherd, and today we're going to continue on in that same theme and share a story about who Jesus is and how it applies to us on Easter. So we're going to 
turn to John chapter 11. If you brought your Bibles this morning, I'd encourage you to turn there. Maybe you want to look on your smart device, cell phone. Um, I, I have PDA written down, which is like super old. Nobody has a personal digital assistant anymore. That's not even a thing. But whatever you're looking up on, we're going to be in John chapter 11. If you didn't bring a Bible, we'd love to lend you one of ours. You can just slip your hand up. And uh, if you take one of those Bibles, you get to cheat because I'll give you the page number. It's page 505. And if you don't own a Bible, please just keep this. Uh, it's our gift to you. But as we look at Resurrection Sunday, I, I just want to say one thing, maybe one thing that will be meaningful to you, maybe something that will help reorient us this morning. And we're going to use the story of Lazarus, if you turn there in your Bibles, to see that. So let's jump in here. John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. Now this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. So a little bit of context here, right? Obviously, John is going to fill in the story for us because this story about Mary wiping Jesus' feet was so well known that he's going to say it's the same person. I just want you to know that before we jump into the story. What else do we see here? We see that, that Jesus loved Lazarus, that he was known to Lazarus, that he cared for him. As a matter of fact, this is some of the deepest emotion that Jesus displays for another person on the earth when it says later that he wept over Lazarus. And so for John to refer to Lazarus as one that Jesus loved was a high praise because in John's gospel, the way that John talks about himself is a little weird, right? It's in the third person. He says, and the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved, and he's talking about himself, which is a little, I mean, arrogant, but I mean, I haven't written a gospel, so I guess I can't like, you know, throw stones too much there. But nonetheless, this is a high praise from John. He's saying the one that Jesus loved, the same person who was close to Jesus, is Lazarus. So Jesus' close friend is sick, and Jesus hears about it. We're in verse 4. So when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that God's Son may be glorified through it. Which is pretty awesome, right? Lazarus, his friend, is sick, and so Jesus is going to do like the Superman thing, right? Like think Neo in the Matrix. He's going to swoop in. He's going to save him. He's going to use his superpowers, right? This is going to be awesome. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What? Right? That doesn't connect, right? He loves, hey guys, I want you to know, he loved Mary, he loved Martha, he loved Lazarus so much, so he got on his horse, like, and he got moving. He went to go do the thing, he went to save the day, he went to go be the superhero, he left immediately. No, he loved him so much that he waited two days. Now, if you're feeling confused about that, don't worry, you're in good company, because the disciples were too. As a matter of fact, the disciples kind of prod Jesus, hey, shouldn't we go see Lazarus? Remember your best buddy, your little friend there who's like, shouldn't we go? You said the sickness wasn't going to end in death, and so maybe they're just going, well, I guess we're just going to wait this out, right? Maybe he gets better on his own. I don't know, but the disciples try to push Jesus as well. They're just, conf they're just as confused as you and I are. Don't you want to heal him, save him? Don't you love him? And Jesus says, yes, I absolutely do. And he waits. See, in order to learn about the power of the resurrection... You first have to experience 
death. In order to fully grasp what resurrection is all about and the power that lies therein, we have to wrestle, come face to face, come to terms with death, and, and we don't like that. I don't like that. I don't presume you like that. The disciples didn't like that. Lazarus, for sure, spoiler alert, doesn't like that. And so there's something that goes on here, though, that in order to learn about the power of God, the power of the gospel, who Jesus really is, the only way to learn a lesson about the resurrection is to experience death. But we want to be saved from death. We want to be spared from death, to be spared from hardships. Isn't that why we choose to follow Jesus? After all, we ask questions like, if God is so good and Jesus is so powerful, then he should be able to stop all that bad stuff from happening. And depending on your beliefs, my beliefs are that he can, that he can stop the bad things from happening. So why does he wait two more days? Because he, he wants us to know the power of the resurrection. And to know the power of resurrection, it has to go through the path of death. To know the strength and sufficiency of Jesus, you need to experience your need for him. Without that, we would never see the full power of God on display. John chapter 11, verse 14, continuing our story. So then he, Jesus, told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Lazarus is dead, but you said he wasn't going to die. You said this wouldn't end in death. Yeah, but it's a good thing. Why is it a good thing again? So that you may believe. Remember, John is telling this compelling story where belief and faith in Jesus is not disconnected from seeing the miracles of God. John does not advocate this. Let's believe blindly in this guy who lived 2,000 years ago. John says, no, see the goodness of God. See the miracles. See the way that he works. And then you'll believe in him. So Jesus says, Lazarus is dead, which is good because it means you'll be able to see and experience who I am and all that I have for you. Because in order to believe in the work and the message and the person of Jesus, we have to see his power at work. Not because our faith is weak, not because we don't have the ability to believe in him otherwise, but because it's a gift and our faith is built on a reality and it's on a reality of who Jesus claims to be. It's not some crutch for the weak-minded as we have been so accused. See, I think this morning and today as we gather together to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, a resurrected king, a Messiah who came and died, that it illustrates, that it paves the way, that it shows us the reality that we all need a resurrection in our life. In some way, at some stage, in some area, we all need the resurrection and the power and the fullness of God in our life. Unfortunately for us and for Jesus and for Lazarus, the only way that we experience that is to go through the experience of death. Where are we dead this morning. Let me just highlight three examples that I see from this story, and let's just see if we see ourselves in any of these. The first is that we may be dead in our doubts. We may be dead in our doubts. Jump down to verse 16 with me. Then Thomas, who was also called Didymus, which is like P. Diddy's great-great-great-great-great-grandfather, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now you remember Thomas, right? Thomas is so-called the doubter. Why? Because he wouldn't believe that Jesus was resurrected until he said, I put my finger through the holes in his hand. In other words, until I see it, I can't believe it, which you and I kind of dog 
dog on today. He's a little bit dogged in scriptures as well. But here we see that Thomas is really just this pragmatist. He's kind of the, the guy who's not glass half full, not half empty. He's like, the glass is halfway. It's always going to be halfway. There's no positive, no negative. It just is what it is. Thomas is a realist. Maybe you see yourself in Thomas a little bit. But up until this point, the, the disciples have been talking to Jesus about going back to see Lazarus. But the reality piece is that the last time they were in Bethany in Judea, the last time that they went to see Lazarus and Mary and Martha, they almost got stoned to death. Sorry, Colorado. Stone means bludgeoned to death with rocks, right? Different, different context. We've got to make sure... Make sure scripture is relatable today. Sorry about that. But so they say, hey, don't, we can't go back there because last time we almost died. We're going to make it? We're all going to be okay this morning? It's okay. We're in church. It's fine. So they said, last time we almost got beat to death with rocks. Is that better for you? So we can't go back there, right? Jesus, it's not safe. We certainly can't go back there. To go back there is to risk death ourselves. And so Thomas is in the midst of this scenario where Jesus says, hey, Lazarus is dead, but we're going to go back anyway. Where's the doubt in that statement? Well, because five verses ago, Jesus said, hey, the sickness won't end in death, and now he's dead. That instills a little bit of doubt in a realist like Thomas. How do we trust in a statement that Jesus just contradicted oh so few lines ago? Maybe some of you find yourself in that same place this morning. Maybe you've tried this whole church thing before. Maybe you've been through the motions. You know the story. You believed in Jesus as a child, but then something terrible happened, a tragedy that you couldn't explain. Somebody died. Someone hurt you, or maybe even worse. And your belief in a Jesus who could do all things was shaken because you didn't see that played out in your life. And so your faith today is hanging by a thread if it's even there at all. You may just be honest and say, you know what, I'm here so that my kids can have a belief. I'm here so that they can experience Easter. But for me, my faith is dead in my doubts. My faith is dead in the reality of what it takes to follow Jesus and my experience therein. And perhaps today you would say, if my faith is alive at all, then it needs a resurrection. It needs a come back to life moment. And Jesus goes to see his friend Lazarus, right? When he shows up, he's been dead four days. To quote the King James Version, and I quote, he stinketh. It's the actual translation, right? He's dead as a doornail. He's been in a tomb four days. If he wasn't dead before, no food, no water. He's certainly dead now. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, and they're, they're present. They come up to Jesus, and they both display the ways in which they're also dead in their faith and in their experiences with Jesus. John 11, verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Mary couldn't even face Jesus. What do you think she was feeling? What was she experiencing? What would you be feeling and experiencing if you were in this story? Would you be angry, mad, upset, frustrated, bitter? All of those things wound up into one. If we could just put a word on it, let's just put the word discouragement. I think that Mary was dead in her discouragement. I think that some of us are there as well today. 
Maybe you've hoped and you've believed and you've prayed and you've gone to church every day since you were born and Lazarus is still dead. Jesus has still let us down. He didn't show up when we needed him to. He didn't stop the tragedy or the pain. And despite him saying that he loves us and people saying that he loves us, we can't help but feel a little bit discouraged in our journey with him. We're beat down. We can't even look at him. We can't even go to him. We can't even show up in church because the pain is so deep. It's like a cut or a wound that just has never healed. Maybe like Mary, you're dead in your discouragement. And your faith may be intact, but you're also mad or you're upset or you're hurt. And those feelings, those emotions of that thing that never happened or that thing that did happen that God didn't stop or never took place despite all of your prayers has left you dead in your relationship to Jesus in discouragement. And today I would present before you that you're in need of a resurrection. So while Mary is so discouraged that she can't even go out to meet Jesus, Martha, on the other hand, goes out to meet him because she got something to say. Right? She's going to lay it out for Jesus. She's not hiding away from this. She's walking up, fists flying, ready to tell Jesus exactly what's going on. Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Translation, Jesus, this is your fault. If you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you'd had showed up, why did you wait so long? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you heal him? Why did you delay? Maybe today, like Martha, you're dead in the delay. You've believed for so long, and it just seems like Jesus is taking his own sweet time. Things are happening. People are dying. And you know you believe that Jesus can fix it all, that he can make everything right. But you wonder, why the delay? Why so much pain? Why so much anguish? Why doesn't Jesus just show up? Why don't you do what we both know that you can do, Jesus? If you had been here, my brother would still be alive. Maybe you've been waiting for Jesus your entire life to show up to put a stop to a wrong or to put something right in place. But Jesus doesn't seem to manage your timetable. And your faith today is, is wavering, it's teetering, because you're dead in the delay of Jesus waiting two more days. And today your faith, your trust in Jesus needs a resurrection. So what's Jesus going to do? Is he really able to do all that he says he can do? Will the dead really live again? Not only those of us who are physically dead, but in our faith as well. See, death is rampant in the Easter story. Just as it was that first Easter, right? Everyone thought and believed that death had won. That death was beaten, that, just as it, that death had beaten Jesus, just as it had beaten Lazarus. Just like perhaps we believe that in the end death wins. After all, there's nothing consistent in this world but death and taxes, right? You know it. We all know that death is inescapable. Even as Christians, Martha knew it, Mary knew it, Thomas knew it, the disciples knew it. You and I both know it, that death is inescapable. Jesus, if you had been here, if you are who you say you are, my brother wouldn't have died. My father wouldn't have died so young. My family wouldn't have suffered through so much. My marriage wouldn't be in trouble. My kids would be better. My life would be right instead of this, what I have. Jesus, if you are who you say you are, 
And where are you? I think that Jesus' words to Martha may benefit us today as well. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know that in the resurrection, right, we'll all rise up and go to heaven. We'll all find ourselves in God's presence someday out there, right? Death doesn't ultimately win. We know the story, but at the same time, how does that help me now? I'm not worried about being dead in my future. I'm worried about what's going on in my life now, in my discouragement, in the delay, in my doubts. I don't need a resurrection in the future. I need one today, right now, in this moment. Lazarus is dead. My faith is hanging by a string. I can believe in some far-off kingdom, but I need to believe in something today. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus says, no, you've got it all wrong, Martha. The resurrection isn't a coming event. It's not something out there someday that will magically come about. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. Life is found in me. And in me and through me, death can't touch you. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. See, Martha believed that the resurrection was an event, that it was a date on the calendar, that it was something that would transpire in time. And 2,000 years later, you and I still show up Easter Sunday to celebrate what? An event. We celebrate the day that Jesus rose from the dead, the, the day that death was actually conquered. But if I could have you learn one thing today and just make one thing abundantly clear, the resurrection is not an event on a calendar. It's not a day that we put a stamp on. It's not even Easter Sunday of all days. The resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is a person. The resurrection and the life is found through believing in Jesus and through him alone. It's not some far-off date that will eventually come when everything gets made right, nor is it an event that happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus was found not to be in the tomb. The resurrection and the life is present in the person of Jesus, and he is here and he is now. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life, and the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Even now, Martha, even as Lazarus lays in the grave for four days, even in your doubt and your discouragement and in the delay, do you believe that by walking through life with Jesus that death is conquered, that you can have life and have life to the full, and that while we live in a world and among a people who can injure and maim and even kill our bodies, but they cannot touch our souls? Can you believe in a God who allows death in order that we might experience a resurrection? Can you believe in a God who would allow us to go through the experience of death, physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it takes, so that we might experience resurrection and life and truth in those moments? Because this is the scandalous truth of Easter. 
That the infinite, that the almighty, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the one who holds atoms and molecules and stars and galaxies together, the one through whom and by whom and for whom all things were made, that this God would willingly lay aside his divinity, that he would set it on the shelf in order to come down and to live with you and with me. That he would experience hurt and cold and hunger and pain and persecution. That he would know famine and hunger. That he would experience soul-defining pain and hurt. That he would experience persecution and death, even death on a cross. The most unimaginably painful and experiential form of punishment that has probably ever been put into place. And that he would allow himself, that he would subject himself to be beaten to within an inch of his life, that he would endure the physical scorn, but he would also take on the spiritual weight of your sins and my sins and carry them as an offering before God. Why would Jesus do this? Because he wants us to experience life. He wants us to experience the fullness of his resurrection. The scripture says that it's because he loved so greatly that he would pay any price to redeem us and give us a portion of God's kingdom in our lives today, not some far-off kingdom in the future. Can you believe in a God who allows us to experience the weight of death in order that we might experience the power of resurrection, because this is what is demonstrated in the Easter story, in the Christmas story, in Jesus coming to earth at all, is that death is experienced, but resurrection is so much more than that. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. One who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe that the resurrection isn't an event, but that it's the very person of Jesus Christ who doesn't tell us to endure sufferings, but who actually walks alongside us in the midst of those things? He experienced our sufferings and more so that he could walk alongside us in our own deaths. Because if we don't experience death, how will we experience the fullness of the resurrection? What if the things in your life that you would claim are killing your faith, Those things that have got you doubting or discouraged or just hanging on by a thread in the delay. What if the things that you think are killing your faith are actually ripe soil for the resurrection to flourish? Because here's what I believe. I believe that at some point, at some level, we're all dead. We're experiencing death day by day. It may be in one of these categories that I've identified. It it may be in some different way for you, but the scripture says in Ephesians 2, 1, that all of us have sin, our own wrongdoing, and that we're dead in that sin. We're not bad people. We're not good people who do bad things. We are dead people. We're buried in the tomb. Our flesh is rotted. Our bodies are empty. And to quote the King James, we stinketh. But the gift of God, according to Romans 6.23, through Jesus Christ is that those dead bones will live again, that we can experience the resurrection, and that the gift of God to dead people like us is life, and true life is the resurrection. So I've got a typical good news, bad news situation for us. Right? The bad news is that we're all dead. We're dead men walking. Just because we're a human being, we struggle, we strife, we have sin, we have areas that we fall short. And if you're alive today physically, then you have death walking around you spiritually. And the the inheritance, the pay, the wages that we earn for our sin is death. 
spiritually, physically, but that the gift of God is life. And the miracle of Easter is simply this, that if Jesus is resurrected, then that means that there's hope for us too, that we can be resurrected as well. Because we are a resurrected people in need of a resurrected Savior. And the good news of Easter, the gospel, is not that we'll never experience death. It's that though we're dead, we've been given life. Resurrection is a picture of the fullness of life. At the end of our story, if we fast forward, Lazarus comes out of the tomb and Jesus has this great statement, take off the grave clothes and let him go. In other words, take off everything that was holding him to death. Take off everything that marked him for death because all of that that was there is no longer present. Instead, all that remains is life. And that's the story of what it is to follow Jesus, to receive his gift of life, is to set aside the ways in which we were dead in our sins and trespasses, the way in which the world perhaps leads us into living and to instead accept the life and the grace that he gives us. So at the bottom of your handout, I just encourage you to turn there now, not the notes side, but kind of the announcement side. There's some, there's some pictures. And I just wonder if you'd take a moment to survey perhaps your life this morning. What's going on and what's happening? You might say, you know what? Today I'm, I'm dead in my doubts. I'm not sure about this whole Jesus thing. I don't know about this church thing, this Bible thing. That's fine. I would just encourage you to circle the question mark. Maybe you'd say, you know what? I'm just dead in my discouragement. I've been following Jesus for a while and I'm just mad. I'm just angry. I just don't see him coming through. And, and you'd circle that mad face. Maybe the clock is it for you. It's in the delay. I've followed Jesus for long enough, but he just hasn't come through in the way in which I thought that he would. And so I'm just dead in the delay. And I just want to give you a, a fair warning here. I'm going to invite you to circle one of those, and, and then I'm going to invite you to tear off that portion of your bulletin. I'm going to ask that you would give me some contact information. I'm not going to badger you. I just want to pray with you. I want to hear your story. I want to hear about those areas in which you think you need a resurrection. I want to walk alongside you and be able to share those stories. So if you'd circle one, give me your name or your contact information. I would love to follow up with you this week. Maybe none of those pictures fit you. Maybe you just want to write something in there and you'd say, you know what, none of those things applied to me, but when you talk about being dead in something, for me, it's this. And I know it's this, and you'd welcome a conversation to walk through and process what life looks like for you in that area. If you've looked at your bulletin, you recognize that there's one more picture down there. There's one more opportunity, right? And it's just a tomb. And you might be going, I don't know if it's one of those symbols or not, but, but today I know that I'm just dead. I know that I'm stuck in the tomb. I know that the way that I've been living doesn't honor God. I've willingly chosen this path, but today I think I need a resurrection. I think I want to stop being dead in the ways in which I've pursued this world, and instead I want to be alive in Jesus. If you'd circle that picture of a tomb, again, I'd be honored to have a conversation with you. Here's the bottom line. I think that if we're honest with ourselves, whether you want to talk to me about it or not, we're all dead in something at some point. I think that we all need the power of a resurrected Savior. We all need that example given to us. And I just wonder if today on Resurrection Sunday, when we celebrate an event, if an event could become a person for you, 
could become somebody that you can trust in and believe in for the power to live your life. We're going to sing one more song, and it's a powerful song. It's been on my heart and on my prayers for literally a month now as Pastor Greg and I dreamed up how we would have this service, and there's a, a bridge or a chorus. I'm not very musical, so I don't know what it is, but there's a line that says that the resurrected king is resurrecting me that we serve and that we follow this Jesus who was died and buried and who came back to life, who conquered death. We celebrate that. We believe that as an event and an idea. But I wonder if we believe that that resurrection is present and vitally powerful within our life, in our day-to-day rhythms, in our comings and in our goings. Do we have the resurrection within us? The resurrected King is resurrecting me. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand and sing that song. But as we're singing, I just want to invite you to take a posture of worship for you. You may just need to sit and to think and to just ponder on maybe what the Holy Spirit has said to you in the midst of this. You may need to talk to somebody. You may just say, man, I'm an external processor and I just need to get this off my chest right now. We've got a couple people who are going to be at the back of the room to have a private conversation or just to pray with you. If you need that today during this song is your opportunity to Dismiss yourself to the back of the room and to have a conversation. I'll be there as well as some of our other leaders. And if you need to have a real conversation today, don't leave waiting for a phone call. Don't leave waiting for an email. Instead, go, no, I need life and I need it now. I don't need it in the future. I don't need it over coffee later this week. I need it now because I'm here to tell you that he is risen. I said he is risen. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, God, I need a resurrection in my life. There are areas and there are moments, God, where I'm just dead. I'm dead in my doubts as to whether or not you can do all that you claim that you can do. God, I'm dead in my discouragement at the time that it's been following you and the ways in which you don't seem to answer my prayers. God, I'm dead in the delay or fill in whatever blank it is for you. And today, Lord, we need a resurrection. We need to know that the resurrection isn't just an event that happened and a coming event that will happen, but that it is in a person. And that that person wants to resurrect our hearts and our lives to live and follow after him. And so, God, wherever we're at today, in our faith, in our spiritual lives, in our walks with you, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to call on your name, to recognize that you are a resurrected king, a resurrected savior, and that you are in the business of resurrecting people. And that can start with me today. So God, I pray that you would resurrect my faith, that you would resurrect my belief in you, that you would overcome my doubts, that you would overcome my discouragement, overcome my delay, and that I might have life in you. Not some far off event, not just in eternity, but here and now and today. Jesus, I believe that you are the resurrection and the life. And as we sing this last song, Jesus, would you be present in our hearts and in our lives as we reflect on all that you are and all that you came and all that you gave to us on Easter so many years ago. All God's kids said.
Nothing can hold us down Death is defeated Jesus, you have overcome